This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It is undoubtedly my favourite podcast to do of the year, hence why I am here on the Custard TV podcast. I used to be here a lot, but Matt and Dawn are here a lot, and they're both here. Hi, Dawn. Did you have a lovely Christmas? I did. I was very, very tired, but um, I got lots of nice presents and um, spent time with family, which, you know, that's the two two vital things for me for uh, for Christmas. So, so uh, I, I'm I was happy. I was going to ask you if you have any strange Christmas traditions, but obviously if they're traditions, they're not strange to you. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like, my I know somebody who, for their Christmas dinner, actually my, Matt might do this as well, I forget, always has a fish course first. Oh, no. Is that a thing? Do you do that, Matt, or am I just making that up? I did have one year, like, a salmon... Yes, um, that Wellington thing, but that's because we were having Christmas Day, our Christmas dinner on the Boxing Day, yeah, as we did this year as well. But so we did have fish. But this particular family courses. will always have a meat, a fish course first, then a break, then what we all consider, I suppose, the Christmas dinner, then another break, then whatever they break for dessert. presents. Well, they <laughs> do this thing where they'll do presents in the morning and then. What they call relatives' presents in the afternoon after uh, after lunch. It puts a bit of pressure on the relatives. Luke, is it your family? Is this no, like well, a, no, a therapy it's not my session? Family. I would I would out <laughs> us if that were true. But we it's... we do presents after lunch normally. What? Even when you were a kid, you did that. No. Okay, just now that you're adults. <laughs> I think it's kids. when we moved to this new house and we moved in with my grandparents. Okay. Um, I think we did it then. We did a later lunch because I think we used to have lunch at lunchtime. Now we have it about three o'clock. Yeah, I don't um, know why that's like acceptable. The rest of the year, you'd be, you'd be, if you hadn't had lunch by three o'clock, something had gone terribly wrong. I don't have lunch till three o'clock sometimes if I'm working. It's always one, and it's always the same <laughs> one, I find, Dawn. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> the best and the worst on the box. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. This is the Custard TV Podcast. We're doing our top 10 shows of 2023. I think I know how it works. I'll let Matt explain it because I'm bound to get an element wrong and that'll just upset him. <laughs> I'm the stats man here of, of the Stat show. Man so... John. Statman John, Statman Matt. <laughs> we have asked all the contributors to the website and the podcast to provide a top 10 list of uh, the year. Myself, Luke and Dawn will also be doing that. I will be going through after every number of our list what the contributors gave us. And then at the end, we will have a super list, which will include altogether 14 lists. So there was 11 contributors at the moment. We are well waiting on a possible 12. <laughs> so this might be like live maths that I will have to do. We will each be reading our lists in turn. But if someone has it higher up in their list, then we will wait until we get to the highest position it is. So say I've got something at number nine, but Luke's got it at number two. We will wait to Luke to get to it. Just very quickly, because I listened back to last year's, and you particularly were very enthusiastic about how good 
the year of television was last year. And we know that's because of COVID and things coming through that have been postponed and things catching fire that we didn't expect and things coming back that we really enjoyed. So how do you look at this year when at one point I spoke to you, you had a solid seven, but not a 10. So how do you view this year's TV? I think it's me rather than TV this year. I've sort of haven't had maybe enough time to go back to things. Perhaps I have tried to go back to a couple of things. Ultimately, I've stuck with stuff that I either watched weekly at the time or binged soon after they'd finished rather than doing sort of a mad dash than I have in previous years. And I think a lot of people have done that looking at these lists in terms of the 11, there's nothing that is on more than five lists. So I think we've got quite a diverse, everyone's sort of looked at things slightly differently. There's a mix of genres. And I think of everyone, Dawn has watched the most. So I think I, I would say Dawn's is the ultimate list of what was good this year because she's do, literally watched everything. Do you feel like, I know you've probably not catalogued it, in previous years, Dawn, do you feel like this year was particularly strong or do you think us having you on the podcast forced you to watch things and and open your eyes to things you may not have bothered with had you not been requested so often to do the podcast with, Matt? I I definitely think the latter. Um, I've watched a lot more true crime than I normally wouldn't watch. I wouldn't sit down to watch it. They don't feature highly in my top ten, but I'm really glad I watched them, and I think they're possibly the best made TV we've had this year. And I think drama's been amazing this year. I don't think it's been a brilliant year for comedy. I think comedy has been lacking, especially British comedy. Um, I don't remember the last good year for British comedy, to be quite frank. Well, I suppose that's true. <laughs> You're right there. If we're starting with my number 10, I feel we've already screwed ourselves up a little bit, because I wanted... This show wasn't on my list, then it was, then it was higher, then it was lower. And whether this is right or wrong, it feels right for me that number 10 is actually Happy Valley. Ooh. That is surprising. Number 10? Yes. <laughs> I don't know whether I'll tell you why it's 10 now or, or wait no, till... No, we'll, we'll I come mean, back what to will it. happen is that you two mm. will, will eloquently put together why it's so brilliant and I will go... Not this for... one. Why Not did you... One. Okay. Just me. <laughs> Dawn, what's your number 10? My number 10 definitely won't be on the list is Deadlock. Trent's dead. Very sorry, Gavin. I love that guy like a brother. He was your brother. We've recruited an interstate detective to lead the case. Yes, sir. Eddie Redcliffe is my name. First 24 hours of an investigation are crucial. He was discovered 27 hours ago, ma'am. Ah, right. What's this? Five years ago, Deadlock's mare washed up dead on the same beach. And according to this, his tongue was eaten by a seal. What? There was no evidence at the scene, no footprints, no DNA. If you have information about the murders, you can just write a note and put it in the anonymous tip off koala. I think they're watching me. The killer has been living under my nose in Deadlock for five years. I probably know him. I'd like to take a look in that sawmill, Phil. Would you? <laughs> you know what you need for that? A oh, warrant. The murders connected. No comment. So good to feel the heat from all sides. That way you get cooked alive faster. It 
it's a kind of like imagine broad church but funny and feminist uh, Australian I, I think Australian TV has been brilliant this year and this this is one of the reasons why uh, you know a, a, a female police detective bodies start sh- washing up on shore and, and it's uh, about uncovering the reason how all these bodies are connected and it's it's hugely feminist it also covers racism and small town life and it's very funny <laughs> but not in a not in a spoof way it's just very entertaining as well as being dramatic and a good mystery to uncover and um I, I hope it's coming back, but I don't actually know. I remember you saying, and I've seen other reviewers saying, not only is it funny, but the the resolution of the mystery is also satisfying, which is an incredibly hard thing to do. Yes, it's very satisfying. Matt, your number 10. Uh, it's Starstruck. I mean, Starstruck, if you don't know, this is Rose Matafeo's comics in its third series now. It's sort of a bit like a reverse Notting Hill, normal girl meets action film star they date they fall in love they fall out of love really brave first episode in which we saw them reunite to when they're breaking up again and actually this broke the mold a little bit i think for romantic comedies but in a way which i found was clever and realistic in terms of sometimes things don't work out you think maybe this is the person for you, but you have different ideals about where you want your life to go and you want different things. The friendship group generally is great in this and, you know, Rose's writing is brilliant. I say this after every series, but this feels, this really felt like the natural end of the sitcom. They could bring it back, but I don't know how much juice is left in the tank. And, you know, it's not a safe way to end it. I think maybe some people would be upset by the ending, but it felt to me true to life, really, I think. So um, of our 11 contributors, when you did your mathematics, what came Mm -hmm. to number 10 for them? So this was on two lists. Um, It got uh, 14 points, as did the number nine, but that appeared on more lists. It's Unforgotten. Ah, bits of it worked, bits of it didn't, and uh, there was just better drama, I think, this year than I forgot. But it's been a constant on our best of the year pieces that we write for the site. But I know you were keener on it than me, Matt, because you liked all the the way everything yeah. was handled on the social side of things. I remember you. Saying. I did. I I found the only bit that really didn't work for me was the social worker in was he in France, but he yeah. was Polish. Weird. Yes. There weird. was bits of that story that didn't work, but I think the whole interlinked bits between the other three characters, who were all family members, the nature versus nurture debate. Uh, I found that all very interesting. The way that Siobhan sorry, Sinead Keenan's character, began to integrate into the cast as it went on as well. Maybe if it had been on later in the year, it would have been in my list, but I think it just hasn't really stayed with me. I remember like looking forward to it at the time. I saved the episodes to one a week because it was on ITVX, so you know there was the option to binge, but um, I didn't. But yeah, it's, it's one of those that... I enjoyed it at the time, but just didn't really have that, that sort of staying power in my mind, really. And and this was the first Dawn sort of binge through all of Unforgotten, did you, this year? Yes, yes. Well, all of it. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, well done. Well done. One of several shows I've watched all Wow, of I didn't know the... you'd done that. Okay. So, you... Unforgotten Series 2 is in Dawn's List at number... Uh, yeah, as, <laughs> as, it, as it should be. I would allow that. That was a great series of television. My number on, nine. Luke, number My nine. number nine. This should be the other way around. But I really thought that the final series in the Barry was flawed, but really still brilliantly acted. Really still engaging, exciting. I had no Not idea. Not in my where... list, by the way, Luke. No, I didn't. To... I didn't. It hasn't been in your list for a while. I don't know if it's ever been in your list, has it? I think the first season yeah. was. The final season took some big leaps, both in time and thematic things. And the finale, I found, was really uh, satisfying. For those who don't know, very quickly, it's a half-hour comedy, as, as it's gone on, has has moved away in a way from comedy, still has its lighter moments, but is more a sort of half hour gritty drama at this point about this hit man who worked in Iraq, who originally goes to an acting class to shoot somebody and then falls in love with the art of acting and infiltrates the class and, and tries to leave his hit man life behind. And I think they just did some really interesting things with it. The central performances are all brilliant. It's one of the best, looking shows on television in terms of the way it's filmed and I just had a great time with it and I never could settle down and go oh I know where this is going oh I know how they're going to get out of this it always seemed to have an interesting way of handling it cul-de-sacs that it might have gone down always found an interesting way of getting out of them um Matt we haven't spoken about it at all and I wanted just a few words on how you felt about it I appreciate it's not in your list did the time jump interest you or did it spoil it for you? I enjoyed it. I don't know if it really worked with what they did with all of the characters, if I'm honest. Okay. That's um, but Barry and I've forgotten the name of the, the Sally. female. Sally. Sally. Yeah, it's Sarah Goldberg, isn't it? The actress. Their dynamic and, and sort of what happens to them worked for me. I felt there was like plot holes and bits like that, but I've just found the last two seasons quite patchy. Some bits I really like, some bits haven't worked for me. I felt the first two seasons were brilliant, and I think if they'd ended there, then I would have much more of a sort of higher opinion of the series as a whole, but I just felt it's sort of a bit of a law of diminishing returns for me with Barry. Me and Dawn have both got number nines that will pop up in each other's lists. Oh, go on just then. Dawn, just D- Dawn, what's your number nine? My number nine is Hijack. Going to come Which up is... for me later. And me. Okay. okay. So um... Just stop talking, Dawn. Stop. <laughs> I'll try. Just stop. <laughs> is only murders in the building in your list, Luke? No. Oh, okay. See, you're shocking me here. The killer is someone in this room. Look at this cast. They're all killers. But who would want to kill Ben? Maybe it was Loretta. Please, please don't give up on me. I'm not good at table reads. Storms coming. Don't test that for the opening in the rocks. She's a stinkeroonie. Mm. I say give her the bootay. Maybe it was Kimber, the TikTok addicted starlet. Does she do it as part of an internet mem? Why are you saying it like that? So, Oliver and Charles, what do you talk about? Murder, mostly. And how to connect to Bluetooth. We talk about that a lot. We're onto something here. But I need you to draw attention to yourself. That's no biggie. That's a smallie. It's a very small thing. Because that 
good. It's a... Theater is all about choices. What you share and what you hide. It's a clue. Ooh. Those choices change everything. We've got to get her talking. I can just girl talk. Can you? Yeah. You guys okay out here? Hey, Mama. Yeah, we're like, uh, yes, they work and slay over here. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't think so. You had the consideration to keep the body out of the building this time. You always know just what to say. I personally feel this is the best series of only murders in the building. I don't know if you guys agree. I would agree. I think the weakest part was the mystery element. I think this was much stronger on the three central characters their sort of wants and desires, where they are in life with their sort of odd trio relationship. The fact that Meryl Streep was in it, I think, heightened it a little <laughs> bit as well. I think her performance was was brilliant. The bits of Paul Rudd that we saw as well was really great. I loved the Matthew Broderick cameo. I thought that really worked. The songs were fantastic. And again, it's just a shame that there's been another series, really. I feel like we say that after every murder's in the building. I think if they'd ended it here, it feels like, very much feels like a natural end to me. I'm sure there'll be bits of season four that we'll enjoy, but it does feel like a bit like they're, they're doing these now for doing them's sake. I think you hit the nail on the head. I really, really enjoyed this series of only murders in the building. It's one of the easiest watches of any year and that song which of the pickwick triplets did it i'm probably responsible for the majority of the youtube hits on that because <laughs> i literally watched it continuously i thought it was a work of genius and it was going around in my head but i think the shame of the whole thing is that we can't just enjoy the three of them together and we always have to have this not contrived mystery plot but i always find myself getting slightly either bored with the mystery plot or lost in the mystery plot and i think that's the only shame is that now they've they've made it that there has to be a mystery every time because that's built into the show they also didn't do a lot of the podcast this series so you wonder if they could just sort of drop it because i love seeing the three of them hang out together i think the, the central trio were three of the best performances on television every time it comes around but I just wish it didn't have to be like a crime drama because that's my least favourite aspect of it. If it had just been following them round, putting the show on and things going slightly wrong, that would have been fine. But I think I'm over the mystery side of it, but I still mm. love it. Also, stop giving Selena Gomez such boring boyfriends. Don't, don't, girlfriends. Love well, interests. Yeah, love yeah, interests. Just, just stop giving her boring love interests. There you, you go. Know? <laughs> but yeah, it, it would have been on my list uh, otherwise. But it's not. Yeah, and I, I think maybe if I'd watched more, maybe this wouldn't be on the list. But it's something, again, that has stuck with me, as you say. That I think mainly the songs have stuck mm. with me. Yeah. I think maybe if the musical hadn't been part of it, maybe it wouldn't have made the list. I agree with with Luke. It's a shame it's called only murders because <laughs> we could really do it without the murders and just have the three of them putting on shows, doing and, something. Yeah, that that would be fantastic and watchable. I loved it. It was almost almost made my top ten. It was in the almost also runs for me. Yeah. So with that, 
to the contributors then. Back to the contributors and Luke. Luke, have you got a sigh ready? Um, I didn't because I've been stifling a cough for the last 20 minutes. If I, <laughs> if I try and sigh, I don't know what's going to happen. I can cough or sneeze or whatever. But So this was uh, the same amount of points as Unforgotten, yeah. um, but featured in four of the 11 lists. And it's Blue Lights. Oh, Luke, what is your number eight? Because I know that mine and Dawn's are okay. on each other's lists. Okay, and, my uh, number eight is not at all a controversial one, but a show we have never, ever discussed on the podcast, mm-hmm. despite it just finishing its third series, and that is the absolutely criminally underrated and absolutely brilliant Slow Horses on Apple TV. All right, make this quick. I've got underlings to bully. I'm busy. No one in Slough House is busy. Come on, get on with it. A team from MI5 has gone rogue. And Standish has been taken. What's the plan? I need a team of good agents. But I just have the slow horses. The traitors we're looking for. Ex-military. There will be a reckoning. Go, go! You can wipe your slate clean. Okay. There's another game being played that will probably leave me worse off. I just can't see what this one is yet. Check the CCTV. I'd be amazed if you hadn't missed something. I still have oversight of the slow horses. Mm. Lucky me. There are men outside with guns. Some backup might be handy. Well, I'm busy. Okay, thanks. I'm sure the situation will resolve itself. What would you have done? I'd have killed every one of them. If they threatened to kill you, on the other hand, I'd buy them a beer and the bullets. Basically, Slow Horses, this show about MI5 agents not good enough to work in MI5, working under Gary Oldman, who is just the best he's ever been in this. This is the best British drama on television that isn't on television. It is just remarkable. It is a hark back to the days of spooks and hustle and those big budget BBC dramas. It feels very much Apple's remit to do them week to week and it works so brilliantly like that. It is funny. It is clever. It is dark. It pulls no punches. It is one of the most exciting, generally pleasurable experiences I've had in the last couple of months finishing this series. It is so much fun. This feels like a show built to last in an era where shows don't last anymore. They last three or four series and that's the end and we move on to the next thing. This, as long as Gary Oldman wants to keep playing Jackson Lamb, this sort of oafish, I don't even know how to describe him, but as long as he wants to play that awful character, I'm sure it will continue because it's just so much fun. Jack Loudon's amazing. It's just the cast having a great time. The stories, although they're spy stories and conspiracy stories, they are well told and in-depth but I never get lost and confused well, like I can do with some of these stories where so-and-so stabbing each other in the back and who's this person working for? It's never convoluted. It's always clever and it's the most fun you can have. And the episodes are no longer than 44 minutes and that's what TV should be. So yes, uh, Slow Horses, I would highly recommend. There are 18 episodes up on Apple. If you've not seen it, go and see it because it's brilliant. My number eight, which I know will feature in everybody's list, is The Bear. Higher up for me, Dawn. Yeah. And, and me. Okay. No surprise. At some and... point, you will hear Dawn. 
<laughs> and some point you will hear me as well, but not for a while to talk about Poker Face. <laughs> poker Face not on my list. <gasps> okay. Oh, I'm really shocked. I, I'm I'm wondering what's Link's throwing everything out of the the prime. I've this really year. watched a lot of what I consider to be good TV uh, this year. So number eight on the contributors, then number eight on the contributors list. Again, we're going to talk about it later. Um, on two lists, sixteen points is hijack. Okay, we're going to talk about Idris in the plane in a minute. I like this. It's coming back to me so quickly. Okay, number seven. It's a show that I wanted to get to this year. I was late to. I binged it all over the last, the beginning of November. And I've seen it crop up on a couple of lists. And this might be a bit high, but I really loved it. It's shrinking. It comes up later. It comes up higher on my list. Now I'm worried that we're going to have too much dawn. But yes, we'll get there. (laughs) It doesn't have too much dawn. My number seven is Boiling Point. Which, again, we won't let you talk. Not on my list. list. Not on on mine. I feel I can talk about this because I don't think it will be on uh, your list, Luke. But it is a show that I look forward to each week. And again, it's sort of very much a theme of these three shows together. It's not House of Games because I should have said we don't do those sort of shows on this podcast. No, it's The After Party. Ah, we and Dawn both went back to watch season one or parts of season one that I hadn't seen. I think this ups the game in a way. Uh, if you don't know the after party, it is basically a group of people, all t- very sort of old fashioned, almost like Agatha Christie, group of people all in the same place at an after party, and someone is murdered, and everyone's. And stories are then heard by um, Tiffany Haddish's police officer and each story is told in a different genre. And I think this year they really upped the genres that they used. There was a Wes Anderson episode. There was an Alfred Hitchcock-like Gaslight-type episode, Korean drama-type episode. There was a horror episode, a rom-com erotic thriller it was funny but clever i i really like this and i think again like luke said about slow horses it's one of those shows that maybe not a lot of people have caught two was a stretch but i'm glad this second one exists and it, it and it was one of my favorites that's okay okay, okay. i know it was <laughs> I I just, i'd forgotten unmuted sorry <laughs> you muted yourself you're on mute mate because we're not talking about so many, I've lost track. But the next one on the contributors list again, we don't have to talk about it because it's already been mentioned. Uh, number seven on two lists, including uh, one top spot, uh, yeah. is uh, Barry. Now, my number six, uh, this is working out well. There's less talking than I'd anticipated. My number six is hijack, so we'll come back to it. Dawn, my number six is shrinking. Oh, welcome back, Dawn. Happy to have you. <laughs> Uh, You talk about this first, then, as it's uh, higher up on yours. Okay, it is a comedy drama starring Jason Segel and Harrison Ford. Jason Segel is uh, widowed with a teenage daughter, and he's a psychiatrist, and he's not dealing well with his grief. And this follows him trying to find a way out of his grief. At first, he becomes sort of quite nihilistic and starts giving his 
patients very extreme advice, practical, physical advice. Uh, but as he does so, he starts to deal with his own feelings and he takes in one of his patients to live with him after he causes a, a problem because of the advice he's given. Harrison Ford is magnificently Harrison Ford, a grumpy but lovable. He's his mentor and the, the next door neighbours are fantastic. They've basically taken over looking after the teenage daughter in his mental absence. Um, and uh, Jessica Williams, who from most people maybe know from the uh, Daily Show, is his colleague and sort of best friend. And he has another best friend who's a lawyer. It's a fantastic ensemble. It's very funny, incredibly moving in places and surprising. It really surprised me. I did not expect to love this. And I was no. so glad I watched it. It just really took the rug from under me. Because what happens on this podcast is you watch, usually, unless you're Dawn, you <laughs> watch the first episode of something and rightly or wrongly, you decide if you're going to pursue it based on that first episode. Now, there's a lot to say about that format. You know, the first episode of something is normally its worst episode. But there should be enough in a first episode to grab you in the, enough. You should like the characters enough or be interested enough to carry on. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we find out later from fans we were wrong to do that. And, and I think Matt said that this was less than the sum of its parts, like I said earlier on. And I can understand just watching that first I one. D- I don't think I said that. I, I remember, I think I was quite tired when we recorded that. So oh, maybe I was just a bit Don't clear. you lose <laughs> But I think actually, now I remember it, it was, I'd just come on after playing with my niece and I'd fallen over and broken my glasses. So I probably was. Oh my God. There's pause there. How long did it take to get your glasses fixed? I don't know whether you can see without your glasses, can you? I didn't break them entirely. They okay. weren't broken, broken, but they were just sort of a bit... But can you Damaged. see that your glasses? This Damaged, is... no. But... So have you always had glasses? I think we drifted in. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you feel like that? On that podcast, I had actually watched two episodes okay. of, of Shrinking. And there was bits that I did enjoy. I, I, I quite liked uh, Harrison Ford's relationship with the yeah. daughter. I thought that was quite a good thing. Again, I just it didn't stick with me. This was, again, one of those ones that I thought I'd probably like... As you know, Ted Lasso is not for me. This is what I think Ted Lasso does for people. It's the same team. It's Bill Lawrence. It's um, Brett Goldstein. And what people tell you about Ted Lasso is, as much as the characters is about the feelings, and I, for whatever stupid reason, I just couldn't get on board with the feeling side of Ted Lasso. I didn't give it enough, maybe. But this... Like Dawn said, I didn't expect to love this so much. It felt so real. These people didn't feel written. The teenage daughter, who in any other show would be this precocious, really annoying, really grating, either grungy type character, was just felt so genuinely written, like just like a normal teenage girl. I just thought she was brilliant. And I cared about every single one not only of the main cast, but of all of his patients. I thought everyone was given enough time. Jason Siegel, who I only really know from How I Met Your Mother and Freaks and Geeks, who I always think is capable of 
one performance really. He does that performance really well, but I think he's always the lovable, nice guy. But I think this this made me see him in a different light. I thought it was just so warm and brilliant and and I can't wait to see more of it. I've no idea what they're going to do with it, but I care so much about these people. I absolutely fell hook, line and sinker for it. And it didn't grab me immediately, but once it had me, it had me. And, you know, it's brilliant. Everybody's just giving such a beautiful, believable performance. We've not spoken about it, Dawn. So as a shipper, how did you feel when Jimmy and Gabby got together? Because I was wondering whether that might spoil it for me. I like those two characters separately and their dynamic together as friends, but I don't know how I felt about them being a couple. I I loved that, and I was but I was really surprised by it because I thought that was going to stay a platonic relationship. Mm. She was his work friend and his good friend, and that was it. So when they got together, and in it they just at first they just sleep together, and you think, mm. oh well, it's just that. One night. Mm-hmm. one night stand kind of thing and I thought oh that's really surprising and there was a bit of me that was like oh I would really like them to do more of that <laughs> to do more of that you know yeah we know what you'd like them to do <laughs> it's not that sort of show Dawn. I don't know what you want from Apple but they're not going to give you that <laughs> that more of that relationship and so when it continued I was really pleasantly surprised so yeah. like you I'm really wondering how it's going to play out and I'm hoping that because the writing is so strong yeah. that it won't affect it, that it will still be as brilliant and they'll have a lot to negotiate because he is still grieving his wife and yeah. she was very good friends with his wife and the, you know that whole complexity of it should give them enough meat to make it yeah. not boring. I, I love the fact that you got little, only little flashback glimpses of mm-hmm. their relationship before her car accident and things and that it wasn't always rosy and yeah i mean i've never been a massive harrison ford fan because i'm not really a movie person i'm not a star wars person he appears to at least be having a great time (laughs) him singing in the car to um every morning by sugar ray was a real highlight it's just a lot of fun and it's so warm and it doesn't take itself too seriously it's got that great thing that all sitcoms should have is you want to be part of the community they're in. You yeah. just want to be part of that team. So, yes, um, Shrinking, I can't wait for it to come back. But, again, despite the big successes they've had in Bad Sisters and Severance and other things, Apple TV, as brilliant as it is, still feels under the radar, annoyingly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend this. I loved it. I don't know if this is going to get a bit of a, a not a groan from Luke, but a... A yellow card, perhaps, from Luke. Uh, yeah. I've picked as my number six, uh, Celebrity Race Across the World. Ah. I mean, yeah, it's not wrong, but <laughs> there are better <laughs> shows on television. And But I but I do feel well, like... That's, that's why it's my number six, Luke. Yeah. There's five better. <laughs> five better. <laughs> I don't feel like yours is very surprising so far. I like a surprise. Try and, try and surprise me at some point. Go well, on. I, I don't think I will, because I think this I is... Didn't... Okay, go on. This and the normal race quote. I know Luke, you've been a massive fan of it from the word yeah. go. Yeah. But I I think I struggled with the previous series, the couples that were on the series. There was bits of that in the the third series that aired earlier in the year, and I think they were scuppered as well by the fact that they weren't racing across the world <laughs> due to COVID. I think 
the brilliance of the celebrity series was a they were names but not big names i think the fact that all of them bought family members we i mean we discussed this when we reviewed it they were all sort of familial relationships rather than friendships or relationships so it was parents and one sibling group i just really got into it straight away you know i think we talked about it most weeks but i think we fell in love with billy and bonnie munger didn't we and yeah it was something that i looked forward to it being on every week and would watch pretty much you know wednesday at nine o'clock i would be there watching it the only sort of maybe minor point against it was the ending which was against their control really who would win I think Alex Beresford possibly was the least compelling of the of the four stars and his relationship I mean his dad was really interesting and Mm -hmm. I don't perhaps think they spent enough time with him but I just think I was with them this was a joyous show you learn things about these people that you didn't know like you know Mel Blatt's sort of growing up her illness things like that there may be the the fact that these people haven't spent a lot of time with the, their relatives because of their careers, like Harry Judd, you know, going on the road when he was 17 and not having that relationship with his mum and her trying to prove that, you know, retired people could still do things like that. So I just really enjoyed it. It was a show that has stuck with me and that is why it is in my top 10. Even though there was varying degrees of elder abuse throughout that series. <laughs> yes, there was. <laughs> that poor woman, I hope she sat down over Christmas. Emma, Emma? Um, Emma, yeah. I hope she sat down over Christmas and everyone waited on their hand and foot because she's done her amount of running for the rest of her life, I think. And now for our contributors, Luke, and yeah. one that two people had, but it was one uh, top spot and one second place. Probably the biggest surprise is the fall of the House of Usher. Although you said that you would continue with it on the podcast where you watched it. And I did. And did you like it? I think because I had a friend who was watching it as well. Oh, it was communal then, yeah. I mean, like the after party was. And I think that's one of the things, you know, with a lot of these shows, sort of other people watching them, talking about them. I, I think, you know, having... The people on the podcast as well, you know, that I, I mentioned, like, you know, myself and Dawn talking about the after party and having now, you know, our what we've been watching segment every week, you know, it adds that sort of element to it. And, you know, you remember these shows that other people have watched as well. With The Fall of the House of Usher, it's not my type of thing as a rule, you know, these sort of genre heavy show, but it was very much like a horror version of Succession. It had that added element as well that every episode was based on uh, Edgar Allan Poe's short story or poem, and there were elements that that, that um, it was Mike Flanagan, isn't it, brought into every episode. There were some really sort of gruesome moments. A brilliant performance by Mark Hamill as the family's lawyer. I thought he was absolutely excellent. It's very big, and I know, Luke, you don't go for that stuff at no, all. No, I um, I enjoyed what it did. You know, again, it is something that stuck with me, but not something that is quite my tempo. But I can see, you know, the two people that did pick it really liked it. So that's number six, The Fall of the House of Usher. 
And we go back to Luke now. Okay, Luke. I think we're at the point now where we're going to... We've already had a lot of overlap, but I think we're at the point where we're going to start to have some more. My number five is one that Dawn's likely to have a lot higher. It's uh, Colin from Accounts. I do have it higher. My number five is Good Omens 2. Nobody... Talk nobody. about that. Go on, I'll go for a wee or something. Go on. <laughs> Um, it was surprising that Good Omens was coming back because the first series was based on the book and there was not any more. However, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had discussed a plot for the second series or second book, whatever they planned in it originally, uh, before Terry Pratchett's death. So it was with Terry Pratchett's blessing. He had approved the story and this was a much more personal story and this was a lot about relationships. They find themselves trying to help two women who, who are local um, shop owners get together. They they want to bring them together. And um, John Ham is hamming it up as Gabriel, who uh, appears in Aziraphale's bookshop naked with no memory. And it turns out he is uh, in love with um, uh, Beelzebub. So there is a lot of stuff about romance which obviously I love the the unspoken love the love which cannot speak its name it's funny it's magical and and really the the best thing about it is David Tennant and Michael Sheen's um chemistry their chemistry is unbelievable and worth watching just for that and I, I'm delighted it's coming back for a third I, th- I think it's a very special show. There's something that connects to a lot of people, especially um, queer people. It really speaks to them. And I think it's very, very well made and made with love and great intent uh, by Ni- N- uh, Neil Gaiman and, and the team at Amazon Prime. Next up then, Matt. The first one I think that crosses all three lists. Uh, we can finally talk about Hijack. Good morning, everyone. This is Captain Robin Allen speaking. Flight time today, six hours, 54 minutes. Stay in your seats! Get down! No! Get down! Operation has commenced. Phones, tablets. Plane is under control. You need to see this. The plane did, of course. Someone is calling for help. One job to do right now, just get through to them. I got a message from the plane. Dad says, incident on board. What exactly does your dad do for a living? It's difficult to explain. Sam's the best at handling it. Handling what? The negotiation. There are 200 people on this flight. If they try something, and then this plane goes down, I don't get home to my family. Let me make you an offer. I've been handed demands. It's all going wrong in the first hour. Imagine the next six. We need to get a message to the whole plane. We just need to be ready. There's other stuff going down. Five passengers on that plane do not exist. It's a network running all across Europe. To them, we're an incoming missile. Us I can tell you, it's not going to be us. What number is it on yours? Number five, then? Five on mine, six on yours. Was it seven on yours, Dawn? Nine. Right? Nine on Nine. 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 Dawn, have a word. 
not too late to change it if you want to come and be part of the cool gang. No peer pressure. Rinse and repeat, really. It's one of those shows that we were able to sort of talk about every week and it felt like we hadn't had a show like that in a while. And I think because it was on weekly, mm-hmm. again, like the beauty of the weekly shows, which are now almost exclusive to streaming services. <laughs> now the BBC is intent on putting everything on the iPlayer when it drops. Shows like, for example, because it's coming back this week, The Tourist could have had that discussion every week if it had aired weekly. And I think both the After Party and Hijack, both Apple shows, we were having that conversation every week about, oh, who do you think is dodgy? Why do you think this person's done that? There was always a twist at the end of every episode. I just really enjoyed it. It was that element of unpredictability. You know, this was almost like a modern 24 in a way. You had Idris Elba playing, you know, a character that he could play in his sleep. But you also had, like, you know, the Eve Miles character who was really great. The Archie Punjabi character who was really great. Even the lead baddie, in a way, for most of it, Neil Maskell, you saw sort of the layers peeled back a little bit there. It was a, a plane full of British character actors and a incident room full of more character actors and I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I think the only thing maybe was the MacGuffin of the reason why the player had been hijacked in the Yeah, they kind of lose me when they try to talk um, about financial But I markets. don't think that matters. But yeah, just really enjoyable junk telly, but done in an intelligent way. And I think Jim Field Smith and George Kay together and separately have done a lot of shows like this. You know, I'm thinking of, of Loop. Upon even going back to sort of things like Stag and the Wrongmans, you know, yeah. they've got a certain brand. I know obviously George did The Long Shadow this year, which is completely different, but just a really, really fun show. I read an you interview. I read an interview with him where he said he worked on Hijack in the morning and Long Shadow in the afternoon. I just found that absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, you've sort of said everything really well there. Because it's not prestige TV, as we like to say, but it is incredibly fun. It could have been so cheesy. I think the majority of people could have written it off as like a Liam Neeson film made for TV with Idris Elba, as you say, playing this character that he could play in his sleep. But so much fun and so much intrigue and really took me by surprise how quickly you were drawn into this world and the way that it cleverly didn't tell you why the plane was being hijacked, who the people were. Really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Of all the genres, this is probably the the one that I am least drawn to in television. What, Idris um, Elba on a plane genre? <laughs> no, well, Idris Elba, no, that's a different genre altogether. No. Action thrillers, you know, are not my cup of tea at all. So the fact this has made my top ten at all is is, is testament to how well done it was, how gripping and how entertaining as well, because it wasn't full face. It had a lightness to it, uh, which made it highly, highly watchable. Uh, So I I definitely recommend it, even if you do binge it all in one go and you don't have that same cliffhanger, which was definitely a part of its appeal. But even if you watch it all in one go, it's definitely worth it. I think Apple TV know what tv is you know slow horses i could have easily gone through we, so quickly we talked about four apple shows yeah though, exactly 
know what I mean? They know about, they know what TV is. They know what the how the genre works. They know not to put everything out in one big blob so it doesn't get. Of course, we would have gone. They do the occasionally, writer. don't they? They do occasionally. No, no, they don't. They, they don't do occasionally. Whole, they did not put the whole series out. No, I think they they've done it with a couple of them. I might be wrong, but I you think they've done wrong. it with a couple. Okay, I think as well for very different programs yes, as well. Absolutely, very different in tone, very different in genre. Very different countries. Yeah, Hijack uh, was my number my number six. Um, it was my number five. Yeah. So where do we go now? We go to the... Contributors had slow horses at number five. Oh, well done. All is forgiven. Three lists, <laughs> one top spot. So my number four. I don't know if this is on either of your lists. I know Dawn was responsible, as in the case of a lot of this, uh, for, for writing a review on the website, but... Things happened that understandably tarnished her view of the series as a whole. So I don't know if she has beef on her list or not. I do not. And you're okay. quite right. That's yeah. why. Yes. And do you not have it either, Matt? Did you go back? Was it one of I the tried ones? to go back to it. I just, I don't know. I just found those characters a little bit off-putting, if I'm honest. I went back and watched two more episodes. So I got to episode three. Um, and I just, I, I felt I gave it a good shot. Well, but yeah, Okay. This was a Netflix one, and I did watch it quickly, and I couldn't tell you the difference between episodes. It's not one of those ones where I could go, oh, if you'd have gone to episode four, because I genuinely have no idea. And I understand Dawn's reasons for not going back. You can read into that on various Hollywood Reporter-type websites about the badness that came out of that. But I... I as a eight episode piece of television, I thought this was outstanding in terms of its representation of the Asian culture on screen, who I've not really seen a lot. The fact that with all of these, I had absolutely no idea where this was going. I found it really engaging, really funny, brilliantly dark. I thought Ali Wong and Stephen Yun were brilliant together. Could you just not get past what you learnt afterwards, Dora? Is that literally why it... I, why yeah, it I think it has just tainted Tarn, my Tarnished it. Yeah. yeah, 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 unfortunately. Because, I, you know, I did write the piece. I loved it when I watched it. And all the same things you said, the representation of, of Asian culture and community yeah. in America and the mystery of what was going to happen, how things were mm. going to unfold. And, and I feel sad about that. It's not like yeah. a... Oh, I, you know, I, I just feel... You're not bad. taking a moral stance. It's just that it's... <laughs> yeah. t- no, exactly. Yeah. And But I think also it's the fact that, you know, this wasn't a genre piece. It was just watching these two people who were at their best when they were at each other's throats and even more engaging when they were together. And yeah. there were bits of this that I found genuinely shocking. I loved how uh, Ali Wong's family w- was brought into it and... All the stuff with the young kid in the back of the car, even the the madness of the final episode, which <laughs> I didn't think worked at the time, but I've thought about it a lot since, and I think it really works because it makes them the freest they're ever going to be, and they realise who they are and what they are and what they want. Yeah, I had to put it in there, despite what we what we know about one of the contributors to that. So yeah, beef was my number four. My number four is Colin from Account. <laughs> Oh my god, I hit a dog. Oh my god. He's gonna survive though, right? He's been struck by a car. 
It's more of a nudge. You're looking at around $12,000. $12,000? It's a dog. That's a lot. I can't take the dog. No. Yes. Is that a unicycle? Yeah. Yours? Yeah. How long have you been single? A while. It was your destiny to hit this dog. You would have done it with or without me. Oh, good, you brought the dog. Yeah. Have a name. <laughs> oh. I think you should marry her. Oh, she probably wouldn't say yes, mate. We've got this, we've got this. Well, we don't, but, you know, your optimism is adorable. Um, Colin from Coates, yes, is my second Australian entry. A surprise, word of mouth hit, comedy, sitcom, rom-com, whatever you want to call it, from a, a real-life married couple and it's about a middle-aged man, 40-ish man, who is out in his car one day and almost runs over a woman. He stops, lets her walk in front of him, and as a thank you, she flashes him, thus distracting him, he runs over a dog. And they both feel responsible for this dog, who becomes uh, disabled and has to have wheels for back legs. Uh, and, and because of their mutual responsibility for this dog, they become connected. Uh, she is a much younger woman who's a, a trainee doctor, and they interact and fall in love. And it is a very believable development of a relationship. It's very sparky, and because of their age differences, their culture differences, they have huge issues, which have become very, very obvious, especially when she has a birthday party. It's so hard to say what the magic thing is, but there is just something magical in it that just makes it, as as you said about um shrinking, you mm. just want to be in their world. Yeah. You want mm. to be part of their friend group. You want to hang out with them. And that's what makes it so good. And their relationship, evolution of it, is not done in the usual way of a rom-com. It's not milked for that big first kiss or that time when they, you know, they, they declare their feelings for each other. It's almost incidentally done. And it's how they feel about it, which is the important part. Yeah. And, and refreshingly different take on the rom-com. I didn't like the first episode very much and i'll tell you for why because i thought it did a lot of tropey things so mm. not running over the dog that was interesting new unexpected <laughs> but the sort of thing where she goes to the toilet there's no water on and she has to get rid of i thought oh i know this i've seen this a million times but i persevered and there was a moment it was a precise moment where it <laughs> just clicked and i thought i love this and it was when he brings a date home and they pretend she's her, she's his sister. sister. Yeah. And I thought, I understand why this is so beloved because they're just great together. I mean, obviously it it works because we know in real life they're a married couple, so they spark off of each other. But it just goes to some really interesting places. I cared so deeply. I cannot tell you how much I cared about this and the people how much I didn't like it when they're at each other's throats because I cared about them so much. Yeah. And towards the end of the final episode where they give the dog away and they're both struggling with it, I'm, I will openly admit, I don't know what was wrong with me that day. I absolutely sobbed. I oh. did. I understand a lot of TV, like Matt reminds me, is people coming home from work, they want to switch off their day. 
and turn something on and not think about it and just go to bed. That's not what I particularly want from TV. I want a connection with the world that I've not seen. I want to ache. I want to care. I want to laugh. I want to feel. And this did all of that expertly. I really thought it was a real gem. And I know I'm late to the party and people were telling me that all the time. But sometimes comedies don't click, do they? Even Mm -hmm. no matter how how many times somebody tells you something is funny, it either works for you or it doesn't. It's a totally personal thing. So I wasn't in a rush to make this a priority, but I'm so, so glad I did. I cannot wait for more. I don't care where it's going to go because I just want to spend time with them. And I don't think we give the dog enough credit because he's brilliant as well. (laughs) And like shrinking, the side characters, his business partners at the the restaurant, they're brilliant. Her mum and (laughs) stepdad are brilliant. I urge anyone, if you've heard good things about this, you've just not got round to it, half-hour episodes on the BBC iPlayer, more next year. I'm I'm hoping we won't have to wait too long. Just lovely, lovely show, Colin, from accounts. I'll let Dawn talk again now, because... <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my number four, and it was sort of close between my number four and my number three, is Boiling Point. I think this was a surprise for me. I hadn't seen the film. I'd heard good things about the film. Watched it prior to watching the series. It was just something different from anything that I've, you know, we're used to the police series, the medical series, the, you know, the based on a true story series. But this was people going to work. It was, for people who don't know, it was all set in a kitchen. The original film was done more or less in one shot. Uh, the film uh, starred Stephen Graham, who was more of a supporting character in this. Uh, Vanette Robinson took the lead as the uh, chef in a restaurant called Points North, which was a London restaurant that specialised more in sort of northern cuisine. It was almost soapy to an extent because you followed one or two characters throughout the series. Her character obviously was the focus. This restaurant was struggling to keep its head above water, characters who were struggling with self-harm, with alcoholism, with illnesses. There was a a character, an immigrant, who was struggling to support his sister. You got a little bit more from some of the characters. There's other characters who I'd love them to do more with. Fingers crossed that we might be getting a second series. Who knows? But I just really enjoyed this. This was a, a, a show about characters, about people who just happen to all work in the same place but have got other things going on in their lives and that I think the characters drove the story rather than the story sort of taking over and that was you letting Dawn talk first yeah no no but now I'll let Dawn talk (laughs) no I I agree Matt explain everything and then you can talk I like that Matt explaining Matt explaining um a lot of people would were comparing it to the beer because obviously it's set in a you know a, a high pressure kitchen, but it is a completely different feeling to the beer, and it is much more about these people and their relationships with each other and how they are coping with pressure. As you say, you know, there's alcoholism, there's self harm, and it's much more about how that work bleeds into their the rest of their life. I particularly fell in love with Emily, played by Hannah Walters, uh, Stephen Graham's real-life wife. She's sort of the, the the maternal one, the mother of the group, 
I found her absolutely compelling to watch. I just loved her. And also, I, I spoke about this on the, the podcast in the final episode, Robin, who has, um, I think it's Crohn's, she has a... Uh, on yeah, the, Crohn's yeah, disease. Crohn's, yeah. yeah. I felt a real emotional connection with her story and I thought it was so brave and incredibly well told. And I, I just wanted there to be more. Very rarely when I get to the end of a series, <laughs> because I watch so many, do I think, I want more of that. Um, but there was only four episodes. I wanted to know more about all the other characters that we didn't spend a lot of time with. And I'm hoping that we will get to spend more time with them and, and they'll come back. And I, I think it's great that Stephen Graham was essentially a supporting character, you know. And they didn't get rid of him completely, but he's still there. But he's not the main story that revolves around. And, um, you know, we're talking about re- not enough returning dramas. This could absolutely be a long-running returning drama, you know, four episodes a year, because you would have a revolving um, characters, you know, people would come and go. But this central place and the central premise of this high-pressure kitchen just works as a place to show how these people are forced together and how they interact with each other and become involved in each other's lives. And I, I just think it was brilliantly written. I don't disagree with anything either of you have said. But you're right, it's a completely different animal to the bear. Ha ha, I didn't even know uh-huh. I was going to do that. I'm really <laughs> clever. But it, if that didn't exist, I think I'd be more in favour of this. I feel like we spent time in this sort of a world, so it didn't feel as fresh and exciting to me. I also think that unlike every other show on this list, you're absolutely right that it was normal people going to work, and I appreciate all of that. But when I, when I finished it, I didn't give it a second thought. Uh, And that is very unusual for me, particularly because I do gravitate towards these ordinary people on screen, talking as ordinary people do. But for some reason, it didn't stick, it didn't resonate. And I think it's because the characters, for me, felt more like archetypes. Like the, the chatty liver pudding guy, he was just like an archetype. I don't know his name, for example. Now I couldn't tell you his name. He was just like this really brash. I know it was his surname. I can't. I Bol- honestly. Yeah. Bolton. Well, Bolton. 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 Yeah. Oh, I was hoping Dawn wouldn't know, and then it would make my <laughs> point for me. But no, for, they, some of them just felt like archetypes. I, it didn't stick with me, but um, yeah, that's boiling point. Some things just resonate personally with people, than, and others don't. And I think, particularly because of those two characters, because of Emily and Robin, the girl with with Crohn's, they both just really spoke to mm. me. And I think that's what made it stand out for me. It left me wanting more. I think we could have had another four episodes. Yeah, and I, I would have welcomed that. And and yeah, I, I want to see what happens next with all of these characters. You know, you waited till the very, almost the very last scene to have Stephen Graham and Vinette Robinson together as well. Really different from anything else that I saw this year, even though, you know, we're going to talk about the bear in a minute. I think it it was it was different enough from that. The bear feels more than a workplace drama, and this really felt like a workplace drama. I won't spend very long because we'll be talking about it in a minute, but number four on the contributors list is Poker Face. Um, so into the top three. Number three for me 
was a genuine surprise. I know it's not on Matt's list. Did The Last of Us make your list, Dawn? It is my number three. Ah, oh, I knew I liked Dawn. <laughs> you know what? And I, I very rarely say this because, I, you know, Matt and I disagree. Not a lot, but we disagree occasionally. But I, I can always see his points really when when he doesn't hmm. gel with something i'll turn my webcam off in future well no it's just that top i think <laughs> no, i can always see where you're coming from he hmm. persevered with the last of us past the nick offerman Molly bartlett joyous third episode but but stopped after I, that i think there was a lot of walking around can i just say before you go into it i yeah. think if i'd have watched this with people at the time, I might have a different opinion, but because I know there was so much praise heaped upon it, I think going back to it at the end of the year, I had a different relationship with it maybe than than you two did who were watching it closer to, to broadcast. This surprised me for many reasons, mainly because I am not a gamer by any stretch. I just, I don't engage with that sort of thing. I just, I'm not a gamer. And I'm also not someone who particularly gets thrills or seeks out a zombie uh, story because that's about as far removed from the sort of shows and stories I like to consume. So a TV show based on a video game, which I've not heard of, don't play, about zombies was entirely not for me on paper and possibly in execution. However... This was as humane and as brutal as any of the other shows I've talked about. I, I would put this, in terms of humanity, it's it's there with Happy Valley for me. The, the highs it goes to are really high. The characterization is brilliant. Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal are brilliant, but also the aforementioned Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman in their standalone episode, which would be one of my episodes of the year, that's where people sort of go, that's the best episode. But then I was thinking there was the episode where they meet the guy with the deaf brother and they have to communicate with him. And then there's the episode where they go back in time and show you Bella Ramsey's upbringing with her best mate played by Storm Reed from Euphoria. And they go and spend one more night in an abandoned mall and have a great time together. This was so deep, so beautifully shot, so brilliantly acted. The stakes were there and... Because it was all those things, when the the infected that got the virus and turned into these weird plant things, when they did turn up, it was genuinely scary because I'd forgotten that was what it was all about. Because I was spending time with these characters living this life. I loved it. And again, it was a it was a real treat work waiting week after week for these. It felt different every time. There's a lot of things that I think the strike has has caused us and will feel the effects of the actors and writers strike next year, I'm sure. But to have to wait until 2025 for more of this, it just worries me a lot that the momentum might get lost. But as a season of television, as one block of, I don't know if it's eight or ten episodes, I thought it was absolutely flawless, gripped me from the moment I saw that first episode and I loved it so much. Dawn. Dawn. (laughs) I was just waiting there, Dawn. Yeah, I was sorry. waiting. Yeah, I was Dawn like, is... okay, that would not you don't be have, You don't have to wait for the men to tell you no. when to speak. No, I've done a little explaining. 
<laughs> when you feel like I've reached a natural point, I okay. have reached an indie point. All right, okay. Yeah. Um, to be fair, there's not a lot I can add to that. You, you've said it all. I mean, it, it is completely in my wheelhouse. I do love zombie genre, and um, I am, I wouldn't say much of a gamer, but I'm married to a huge gamer, so it's a, a big part of my life. Um, and I'm always drawn to something which has a teenage girl as a as a central protagonist. I think if what it does so well is that even though these are your heroes, um, and Pedro Pascal is amazing, he's not necessarily a good guy. You know, there's a lot of moral ambiguity about him, and I think that makes it really interesting and compelling. In that you're not going to know a hundred percent how he's going to react in each circumstance or situation they find themselves in. Uh, and that, you know, really played out at the end of the series, which I thought was very unusual and unexpected, How the, the way that went down, very bloody and dark. Obviously, it is a dark series, given it's, it's post-apocalyptic, but there was there was so much sort of hope and, and light and love, you know, because of their relationship with each other. Um, but it still maintains this brutality underneath it. And and I think, you know, from what I know of the game, if they, they, they go on in, in the second series, that will season, that will um definitely be a huge theme is the, the brutality and the darkness. Um and but Bella Ramsey is just incredible. Really, they are possibly the, the shiniest star you know coming yeah. up and, and will definitely have a long long career number three on the contributors no i'm my uh, we haven't done my list yet oh, I don't, <laughs> humans don't have, have the same number three, but I will, the last of us on it the number three of the contributors list mm. is also the last of us oh, oh that's very sink, sinking up. um it was on five lists but nobody had it at number one i think the um, only reason for that is because it was january i do genuinely think that but reason. I'm guessing my number three is your number two, the bear. No, I can work out what what uh, Luke's number two is because I think that's my number one. <laughs> okay. We're spinning the bottle. Yeah, Luke. Okay, so my number two, I literally kept changing it, kept changing it, swapping them around. Obviously, how could it not be Succession? We were cut out behind our backs. But there's a shape for things for us. We partner up with Sandy and Stewie, with Pierce. Death wrestling ogres. Excited to get into this knife fight? Let's blow it up. I'm not authorized to let you take off. It's dad. You know, in Buddhism, sometimes your greatest tormentor can also be your most perceptive teacher. Mm-hmm. Hey, Buddha, nice Tom Forts. There's a night of the long knives coming. I need a fire breather. Your help with Matt's. You really want me? I need you. Where are you at now? One percent. The fear is uh, it could get squeezed. Squeezed down mm-hmm. from one, because that's the lowest number. I love you, but you are not serious people. I have it on good authority. There is a kill list. I mean, he's out of control. You want to clear the air? You're a snake. You have hurt me more than you can possibly imagine. I have some concerns about your old man. I will sue, and I will go public. You point your finger at me, I point my finger at you. We are going to grind you down, man. We are sand in the gears. I hate you. Do you understand that? Loud and clear. Good. Done. I'm going to build something bigger. 
faster, wilder. I want to kill the opposition. Cut their throats. We are pirates. You know, I, I really wrestled with this, whether two should be the bear and one should be successful. And on any other day, they could swap round. I decided on... The, I don't even know why they're that way round, if I'm honest, because they both delivered outstanding episodes of television that made me feel physically sick. I will never forget my reaction to the third episode. Of well, the let's not talk about either of them at the moment. Oh, Christ, we have... I just started. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's not I talk about either of them at the moment. Paul, Luke, I know you want to speak, but let's let Dawn speak. Oh, <laughs> what's Dawn going to say? My number two, and I'm really surprised it wasn't on your top ten at all, Luke, um, is Somebody Somewhere. It nearly was. It so nearly was. I thought there were real highs. Her singing at the wedding was a mm -hmm. real high and really reminded me why this show is such a gem. But there are also episodes where I found nothing really happened. And I know that's the joy of somebody somewhere that you're just following them around. But there, I couldn't pinpoint a lot of that early second season because of how sort of gentle it was. And I just remember images of them having diarrhea together over the phone. <laughs> other than you know, rather yes. than big plot points. And I know it's not a show full of big plot points, but it is one I love. It is one I'm looking forward to coming back. It is a little gem, and I'm glad you've represented it here. Yeah, I I mean, I'd never watched it before. You oh, of course. You told me to watch course, it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm right to say, watch this thing. Maybe that's why I have it at number two, is because I've merged one and two into one in my brain and, and and maybe that's why I feel more emotionally um positive about it. The second season has a very different identity and a lot of that is be because obviously the actor who plays um her father died and so they had wrote him out without killing him off and I read that the 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 writer said that they didn't want to kill her, her father off because it was so much about the character's grief over the death of her sister to put another major death into it would dominate the story and they didn't want to do that so they mm. just had her her dad be off screen which which changed the dimensions of the show mm. a lot yeah it i think it's beautiful and of all the shows that we've talked about where you want to spend time with them this is the one that the feeling is strongest for me and and i just think as well that um it feels so normal in the way that they interact and the conversations they have and even the fact that we see Sam walking around her house in a pair of <laughs> you know an underwear and a t-shirt because that's the way you walk around your house you don't walk around like the characters from Friends in a dress and high heels and full makeup you, you're you in your house with just you I know, do your... <laughs> thanks for well, putting yeah. on the jumper hey, that is such a rare thing to see is characters really just be normal in a very real way and not in a TV normal way and especially that the actress is plus size I just think that's so important and 
so rarely seen to have a plus size woman in her 40s just be so normal and yet so attractive and be a sexual being but have insecurities and have these relationships I, I just think that Sam is one of my favorite TV characters of all time I love her yeah. that much I don't um, think we give it enough credit for like you say capturing normality because I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of work that goes into capturing that normality the, the way that it feels like somebody Ah, somebody somewhere has plonked <laughs> a camera down and you're yes. just you're just viewing them and you forget somebody's sat and written this down, somebody's directed it, somebody's because it doesn't feel that way. No. It feels like you're you're getting a bird's eye view in this into this life. It feels almost documentarian in that yeah. way. Yes, it absolutely does. And and I think uh, especially, you know, a small town America, we're not American, but we can uh, appreciate that feeling of of claustrophobia and you know that that sense of of hopelessness that she has but then she finds joy and and love in her life mm. in such small things in singing you know in this this gay guy that becomes her best friend and just little small moments and that is what is so realistic about it and in the the magic of life the the joy of life comes in these normal little things so first up, it's my number two, which we, which I share with the contributors. So it's in six of twelve lists of yeah. the twelve contributors. Yeah. Two top spots. You said you sort of wrestled between one, two. I did as well with with Happy Valley. I'm shocked it's so low down on your list. I'll just say why it's low down on mine, just because I do. <laughs> I'll probably listen back to this in years to come when I've revisited that third series and go. You're completely wrong to put it number 10. Sally Wainwright's writing at the top of her game. Best bits for me were the conversation in the cafe and just the brilliant conflags between Sarah Lancashire and Sue Finner, and I think they're brilliant. The reason it fell lower and lower down on mine is because I didn't feel in the long run that the pharmacist story worked and was necessary. I love that final showdown between Tommy Lee Royce and Catherine Kaywood. It was perfection it was spine tingling it was brilliant but the contrivance to get him to that point was a bit too contrived for me in a show that doesn't do contrivances so having him break out of prison and go on the run and it just lifted it out of the the realness that i associate with the show for me it is and i was saying this at the time that the pharmacist storyline really spoilt it for me but i loved the portrayal of um, domestic violence that was in this as well. I mean, you brought it up, Luke, the sort of illusion between the kids in that relationship, that family, and Ryan as well. And I think having Ryan as a, you know, a teenager now and having more agency to him, that really worked. That scene in the cafe will always stay with me. I think that is brilliantly written. Sally Wainwright's writing is astounding. The performances across the board were brilliant. And I think it's it's one of those where there were certain niggles. It wasn't a perfect series, but it was a fantastic end. It was appointment viewing. You know, you were there every Sunday night at nine o'clock watching it. And then proof that the BBC won't just stick everything out on iPlayer if they no. think people will watch it. One of the only things that they didn't. Absolutely. That and Shetland. (laughs) 
it wasn't on oh, my list. And I, I, I know now I'm I'm thinking about it. I feel really bad because <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, it was brilliant. I agree. You know, the the pharmacy story didn't work, but just for Siobhan uh, Finneran and and um Sarah Langshire's scenes together, not not just the the cafe one, but that fun one where they're sitting out in the back and she's talking about um her yeah, car yeah. and yeah, you know, and 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 also um you know the fact that that Ryan. That you know, it's the same actor, and he was so good. He yeah. could have been awful, and he wasn't. He was he was really compelling mm. viewing. Uh, well, we're into number one territory now. So why don't you go first? Well, my number one is the bear by a smidgen over succession. The way it was brilliantly episodic. The way it let all of its characters breathe. I love the first series so much, but this second one. It upped the the game so much. I I cannot praise the emotional depth, the comedy in inverted commas. It's just a marvel how they do it, how it feels so real, how, again, it feels like they plonk the camera down. That episode with all the cameos could have been distracting. Oh, there's Bob Odenkirk, there's... Sarah Paulson, there's John Mulaney, there, you know... Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. It used those brilliantly. It unpacked the family dynamic. It let you know who these people are, where they've come from, why they are the way they are, uh, why Kami feels the way he does about cooking and why um, his brother is no longer with us, the tension in that family. The reason it's number one is because I, I haven't stopped thinking about the bear, even, even today. I just, I cannot get bits of it out of my mind. When I read that it was going to be an Olivia Coleman uh, guest spot, I was like, oh, they've already jumped the shark if they've got people like that coming in. And I did wrongly envisage that it was just going to be Olivia Coleman popping into the restaurant and moaning or complaining. But actually what they did was they used these cameos to lift up the already great ensemble and have them have their own episodes Seeing Richie sing Taylor Swift in the car is is still a highlight of the year for me. It's it's just an incredibly moving piece of television that, as I say, I haven't stopped thinking about. I thought it was absolutely the number one show of the year. Weirdly, I think last year I had this at number one and you had it at number three, and we yeah I, yeah we yeah. switched. Brilliant singular episodes. Maybe the fact that the characters weren't always together this series, that they had almost like their own side quests, that maybe I didn't enjoy it perhaps as much as season one. The second half of the series, when everyone came together, it's probably from that um, flashback episode on, I really enjoyed it. As you say, the Richie episode is fantastic. And the final episode as well. I think the other thing for me that let it down was the character of Claire, who was brought in purely as, here's a love interest for Kami. Yeah. You know, <coughs> crack on. For me, the story of Richie is what really made this series. How they turned him around. That episode, Forks, I think it was called. Yeah. Just is my favourite. As much as I love the Christmas fishes. episode. Yeah, Fishes. Um, and, you know, it's a brilliant piece of writing thing. But the the Forks just really, for me, was my favourite episode. And how 
we got to the the core of who Richie is and and just saw him in a new light and I just completely fell in love with him as a character through that and that is the a real show of good writing if you can take someone that you hate and then turn them around to be someone you absolutely love that is just and to essentially do it in one episode was brilliant Dawn do you want to go next my number one is poker face what's it like always knowing the truth there's nothing mystical about it i could just tell when anyone is lying I know what you did, you psycho. I, I think there's been a murder. I'm trying to figure out what happened. You watch too much Dateline. I could tell she was lying. What is it? It's a woman's intuition? No, it's not like a tampon commercial, okay? It's a real thing. I guess I'm not over the part where you're a human lie detector. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's crazy. You ever gamble because you can make a killing? Nah. You know, as you said, you haven't stopped thinking about the beer. I cannot stop thinking about Poker Face. I just keep thinking, is there an episode I haven't seen? Is there? Is there? I just want to be in that world. I want them to tell me more stories. I want Poker Face to give me more mysteries. I love the style of it. And, and, and I mean that, you know, the aesthetic of it. And Charlie, the way Charlie dresses, she's just the coolest character on TV. But I also love the way they tell the stories. That it's not always a murder, and it's not always about the person being caught by the police. It's just about Charlie finding enough evidence, or you know, to resolve it in some way, whatever that is, exposing the person to their friends, or the sense of justice through it. And and the whole, you know, on the road thing, I've always loved that kind of a show anyway. You know, the Incredible Hulk, the Kung Fu, the Littlest Hobo. It just shows us the Americana of it so well. The, you know, the the petrol station in the middle of nowhere or the back streets of some place, the theatre, all these different settings. And I love the way they've done that. You know, each one themed... Um, we did a, a murder mystery game uh, with my family on um, on Wednesday. And, I'm sorry uh, to hear that, Dawn. I didn't know one of your family <laughs> been killed just after Christmas. And it, it was very like the um, music episode the, the, of, of Poker Face, the, the one with the band. So I was like, oh, let me, I will solve this murder. I didn't, to be clear, I got it wrong. Um, but that feeling of, you know exactly what's happened because they show it at the start. It's a murder mystery like Columbo where the audience knows exactly what's happened. But you care enough to see how the person is exposed, how the culprit is revealed. It's just fantastic. I cannot... And it's, again, it's an unusual genre. It's something that, you know, this list um, has a lot of... You know, we'll have a lot of sitcoms or there'll be a lot of these true-life crimes or procedural dramas or whatever. There's nothing like Poker Face out there right now. It is so unique. I think it's it's something that could last a very long time if they lit it. It was on my list as well, lower down. And again, I think that if I'd watched this weekly at the time, it may have been higher up. Again, it was 
good to watch something like this, which was made for weekly viewing. I think maybe what's stopped it being higher was because of the way it was, you know, the episodic nature. You know, you had her interacting with different characters every week. But, you know, you wanted to see more of Charlie and you had to wait to see Charlie <laughs> until halfway into the episode, even though we then flashed back and realised she had actually been there all the time. You know, we said this about Russian Doll. Natasha Leone is just amazingly cool. A great screen presence, an underrated screen presence. The two or three episodes that she's in throughout are absolutely brilliant. But apart from that, it's a sort of pick a mix of the ones that you enjoy more than the others. I mean, the band one you mentioned is the one probably that stuck with me the most. But I also like the horror one with, was it Nick Nolte? Nick Nolte, yeah. Nick Nolte's episode and uh, the one with Joseph Gordon-Levitt up the mountain the one at the beginning and the one at the end. Again, not sure how they're going to do this second series now. You know, there's other people chasing her now and is she going to encounter the same characters again and again? But a really fun, as you say, throwback series with modern elements and a great lead and a great sort of guest cast as well. I had it on my list up until the very last minute. Uh, you said everything that I was going to say. Latasha Leone is brilliant. My favourite one was actually the one in the care home. I, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I love yeah. I love that one as well. I love that one. It's a throwback to a different era of television, but it shows you why that era of television was so popular. And I just hope that a the the services on Peacock is still around to keep it being made because a lot of these streamers are either joining together with other people or closing all together poker face was brilliant because of natasha leone because ryan johnson knows how to do these these mysteries and they were all satisfying even the ones i didn't like so yeah just just if i had a top 15 it would be there last show which is my number one and also the contributors number one because i am a man of the people yeah. <laughs> um, it's obviously succession. I don't think I could pick any holes in this. I was looking back at it. Because like the last season, I think you had it in number six and I had it in number four. Yeah. And there was episodes that we really loved and ones that were just spinning wheels, really. They knew they wanted to get to this point, to this point, but they had an episode to get through first. This was to kind of to use a borrow a phrase. All killer, no filler. You know, the the sort of pivotal episode doing what they did early on mm. and then the aftermath of that really helped up the drama, up the tension and explore these characteristics again. Now they have lost the patriarch. Where do all these sort of chips lie? The machinations in the final episode were brilliant. The funeral yeah. episode was fantastic. Yeah. The election episode was brilliant. Just every episode, every character, every little interaction. Kieran Culkin, for me, was probably the MVP, but they were all absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think the best series of Succession, maybe the first yeah. was slightly better, I'm not sure. But every episode here was fantastic. It was, you know, event television, Monday at some point, you know, after it's shown in the States on Sunday. I watched the final episode of my breakfast on the Monday morning. I think I've got great breakfast that TV. 
<laughs> yeah, um, you can't really say anything that hasn't really been said about the succession, but I'm going to let Luke say some more well, things. I all I can say is I watched that for, that final episode in a bunk bed that I was too big for in Spain on a phone <laughs> because I didn't want to miss it. Even though that sounds like thing. very succession, it sounds it does. You know, it's very Greg that, of that me Connor. to do that. Yeah, Connor or Greg. I think you've said everything, but I would say. Matthew McFadden and Sarah Snook, that rooftop scene where everything comes out and she says, you killed my father and all these things. And it's just laying the emotions of these characters completely bare. The fact that I think Roman came out on top really in terms of the end, because I think he's got a degree of peace with himself at this point in life. Kendall will probably be still trying to wrestle the company out of Tom and Shiv's hands. The fact that they've pulled this off to such a degree that they did four series or seasons of just incredible TV that was brave and risque and raw and just completely unpredictable. I had no idea that that was going to happen in the third episode. To be honest, even though it was called Succession, I had no idea he was going to die, even though that was the point. But I remember the gut punch of that and how I'd never seen a death like that portrayed on screen. Just remarkable. And the, the way the realisations of what it all meant to them hit you at the same time. It's unusual as an audience member to learn things at the same time as the characters, especially something big like that. In in another show, we might have seen him ranting and raving and collapse and everyone on the plane panicking over who's going to be the one to tell the kids who's going to make the phone call and to just get that news via Tom who's on the plane there on this boat on the way to Connor's wedding it was a real surprise and it made me feel ill I've never had an experience like that in a long long time watching a tv show just bravo to everyone involved heaven help Jesse Armstrong whatever he follows this up with I've no idea uh, but if you wanted to make holes, Dawn's got a jerry-shaped hole. I do. I mean, I obviously, I do think it's fantastic, and it's just outside my top ten. I just didn't like that they dropped that story, and uh, I would have liked a bit more of the side characters' epilogue of, of you know, people like Jerry, but also Kerry and... Frank. Anyone that rhymed, you yes. would like. To... I would like them to have a bit more story and a bit of a uh, a round off. But there's no denying that um, Connor's wedding is possibly one of the best episodes of TV of all time. That speech at the funeral, the fact that they bring back these people like James Cromwell just to deliver that incredible speech from the from the pulpit at the funeral. Yeah, the fact they can pull on those guest stars to just turn up and. Delivering and Haim Abbas's Marsha coming back and sitting with Logan's latest fling and sort of comforting her, but sort of enjoying how miserable it she was. Just, just brilliant. There's going to be a succession hole in our lives that we we don't know what the next thing is going to be to fill it. I mean, I don't think even as good as that first series was, I don't think any of us could have foreseen that it would become such a mammoth thing that we we'd obsess over and love to such a degree it's a wonder that it lasted i love that it ended on its own terms that jesse armstrong and his team got to do what they wanted and they went out the door and they didn't overstay their welcome and i also love 
but it's the darkest British comedy that's ever been, and it's a big HBO drama. So that's quite an achievement. If if we've learned anything from this podcast, it's that Matt should watch more things at the time. Because he said, if I had to watch this at the time... Yeah, then, yeah no, I so agree, but at the same that, time... Take that, I'm the next year. take that into next year. So my honourable mentions, um, Poker Face, Somebody Somewhere, The Long Shadow, The Curse, which we've never reviewed on the podcast... Um, Reservation Dogs, which went out on its own terms, it was brilliant on Disney Plus. Hundred Foot Wave on Sky, Top Boy on Netflix, and some that I I I had on my list but just fell off. The Greats final season was incredible, and Jury Duty I loved so much, but uh, didn't quite make it on the list. What were yours then, Dawn? Uh, yeah, okay, ones that you haven't mentioned. Uh, time. Uh, yeah. the, ch- the Change, Heartstopper, The Woman in the Wall, Silo, which I think is the best sci-fi we've had in a long time, and uh, The Sixth Commandment and The Power of Parker. That is it. Uh, if you want and my, to... my one that I, I was tempted to put on the list just to annoy Luke, certainly after watching the Christmas special, and I was thinking, this show just filled me with so much joy, was The Piano. I love oh, The yeah. Piano oh, gosh. in January. Again, a show we didn't review. I mean, did you watch it, Luke? No, I saw. No, clips. exactly. So no, I saw you know, clips, but it's no got judging. Bloody, no judging. It was a lovely show. Claudia, it's got Claudia Winkleman on it, and she is my kryptonite. So yeah, well, there you go. Just, no, to, really. let's just quickly run go down through our list again. Yeah, the top ten. No, not all the entire list. So in total of fifteen top ten lists, so one hundred fifty oh, shows. Can you include ours? In yeah, there? yeah, I have done. Go on, go on, I love you. There's fifteen in total. 66 different shows, and this is the top 10. This is where Luke puts the Top of the Pops track behind me. So, at number 10, we have got Barry. At number 9 is Boiling Point. Number 8 is Slow Horses. Yay. Number 7 is The Bear. Yeah. Oh. Number 6 is Hijack. Number five is Colin from Accounts, thanks yeah. to a last a last minute vote um, from Michael. Number four is Poker Face. Number three is The Last of Us. Number two is Happy Valley, and number one is Succession. That's not bad, is it? All the shows we have talked about, every single one of them. The beauty of the world we live in, TV wise. I'm pretty certain to say all of these, bar Barry, actually, I do know Barry's not available, are available on the platforms they debuted on. So go and seek them out. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you to all our contributors. We'll make sure everyone's top 10 list is on a post on the website like it was last year, so you can compare and contrast. We will be back for our first proper show in the new year. Certainly me and Dawn will be. Uh, We'll be discussing The Tourist. Mr. Bates versus the Post Office and True Love. You can find us at the Custard TV, uh, at Luke Custard TV, at Matt's TV Bites, um, at Dawn Glen 2. Um, and the Custard TV is also available on Instagram. It's the Custard TV, Facebook, and you can email us custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Have I missed anything out, anyone? No, no you, you're good, you're good. And this okay. would normally be where I would thank Dawn and Matt for a brilliant year of podcasting, but I'm aware that Matt needs to go off and uh, and eat. So, But thank you very much for all your dedication. And uh, I look forward to another year of podcasting. See you in 2024. 
rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.